0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.
1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? (laughs) It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. He's just going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
2: We are talking tight ends. Tight end here is on Fantasy Football today. It is Thursday. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg, and back from a long trip is, well, if we started a football team, the four of us, Dave would be the tight end. And he is here to talk about his tight end tears. Dave Richard is back. What's up, Dave?
1: I loved playing tight end in all the unorganized football games that I played in when I was younger. It was a lot better than standing on the sideline and not playing because I was too slow and fat.
0: <laughs> I don't think there was a lot of uh, let's let's be the tight end. No, I was more. just happy to play.
1: Yeah, it was more uh, just play receiver. I once played in like, we were playing like five on five, pouring rain. And I made the game-winning touchdown catch on a little short throw. Nice, really. Got sick out. How old was I? Yeah, (laughs) thirty-two. No, I must. I must have been like twenty. Yeah, I was older. This was when I was older. All right. Well, uh, how's that for an amazing story? Now everybody's glued into the podcast. (laughs) That's good. It's good. It's funny. Tight end tears. Dave's playing football. He got me six points. You know, I did what a lot of tight ends do. To get fantasy points. I caught a touchdown. You caught a touchdown. For a lot of tight ends, that's all you want from a given week. There you go.
2: We also want targets. We'll talk about that. Uh, There have only been three tight ends in the last seven seasons who finished in the top five and we're not first or second on their team in targets. You hear us talk about that a lot. Oh, can he be second on his team in targets? Again, only three tight ends have finished top five in the last seven seasons, and we're not first or second on their team in targets, but two of them did it last year. George Kittle as tight end three and Evan Ingram as tight end five. Both of them were third on their team in targets. Hey, Travis Kelsey has been tight end one in six of the last seven seasons and tight end two pretty good. in the other season. It's incredible. But how about this? The gap, whether it was Kelsey in 2020 and 2022 or Mark Andrews in 2021, the gap between tight end one and tight end three has been incredible the last three years. Cause remember, we had that stretch where we had Ertz and Waller and Kittle and Kelsey, and they were all you know really good and not the case anymore. Like the last three years, there's been at least 90 PPR fantasy points between tight end one and three. It's been a hundred and thirty-six, ninety, and a hundred and fourteen <clears throat> PPR fantasy points. <laughs> Jamie, do you think it'll be that big of a gap? A hundred or so, ninety or more PPR fantasy points between Travis Kelsey, who we assume will be number one, and whoever the heck is going to be tight end three.
0: I hope not. You know, it would be great if there's uh, you know a little bit more parity, and we have a lot of you know top tier players at the position. But you know, he's just so much different than everybody else, and his role in the offense is so much different. You know, the way they use him, you know, as long as he stays healthy, I would not be surprised if there's that same gap again. So, uh, good luck if you don't have Travis Kelsey.
1: Like, how many tight ends are we going to talk about today that have the ceiling of 15 PPR points per game? One. Maybe two. Maybe two.
2: Maybe. Th- N- no. um, yeah, I don't know if probably. I can get
1: to three. I think Pitts does. That's who. That's who it would be.
0: If he was on any other team. If he had any other quarterback. I don't care about the quarterback. I it's oh, okay. it's the coach. <laughs> he, really? You think it's the coach? He doesn't want to throw the ball. I mean, I talked to him. <laughs> you know, he's he he it, to your point, yes. He it 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 has a lot to do with, you know, I think trusting the quarterback. But I think unless he has a star at that at the quarterback position, this is what they want their offense to
1: be. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Because when I when I asked him about it, you know, I said, you know, what what do you want to see from Pitts this year? And he sort—he went back to... He didn't say run blocking, did he? Uh, no. Um, He went back to, we had Matt Ryan, and we threw it. And then we didn't have Matt Ryan, and we <laughs> so didn't we throw it. And so, you know, if he has a quarterback, I think that... He would throw he, it. He, so he doesn't. Yeah, but I think it's got to be, you know, either superstar or just trusted veteran. Like, I don't... I, like, I think if you had, like, a Dak Prescott, for example.
1: Oh, yeah. This is the We'd same offense.
0: It. No, I think this you is the same offense. Op- really? Yeah, I think I it's think the same offense. Bled. I think he'd throw it more if he had yeah. Dak. I don't think so. I, I'm I'm saying like somebody that's in between that that you know, Dak's a pretty good passer, you know. But what I'm saying is like he's 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 I think better than a game manager.
1: That's well, not better than a game manager. Yeah, well, he is. Oh, okay. He's better than okay. a game, he's not. He's not. It's got to be somebody worse than Dak. All right, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have that 15-point upside with Desmond Ritter. <laughs>
2: well, the only wide, the only tight ends who have done it in the last five years or four years, I guess, uh, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Andrews. The only tight ends who have averaged 15 or more points per game. You're talking like Kittle did it with 85 catches, 1,053 yards, and five touchdowns in 14 games. I could see, I guess I could see that in 17 games. I don't know about in 14 games uh, for Pitts, but okay, so.
0: I think maybe Waller can get there.
2: Oh, wow. He's done it. <laughs> uh, but Kittle's done it multiple times, but we're not really thinking he can do that.
0: Not if everybody's out in San Francisco. Agreed.
2: Okay. So, let's... Uh, let last stat here, and this is really important for tiers. Over the last five seasons, 25 tight ends have finished top five, Obviously. 48% of them, so that's 12 of 25, have been drafted in round 10 or later, including, Ooh. isn't that crazy? Great or late. That's why we say no, great or late. Great. Um, yeah. Evan Ingram and TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson was around 10 pick last year, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. So 12 of 25 over the last five years have finished top five and been drafted in round 10 or later. It happens all the time, and you never think it would happen, but it does. Um, All right. So we'll get back to our tight end tiers in just a bit. We've got, let's see, we've got about five hours left. If you're watching live or listening, Uh, you're not listening live, but you've got until 4 p.m. Eastern today to bid on the final or not the final, but bid on a spot in our 14 team PPR podcast league. I think this is year 12 of this league, something like that. We've been, it's been going on forever and it's our original Podcast League, and we are, I haven't checked, as of last last I saw, it's just under $2,000 for this spot in the Podcast League, which, of course, all the proceeds are going to St. Jude. Oh, $2,100. All right, that's great. So you've got until 4 p.m. to make your bid, $2,100, and go to tinyurl.com slash FFT donate. Also, go to podcastawards.com, and please vote for us for People's Choice, for best male host, Ed Podcast. And for <laughs> best sports podcast, Fantasy Football Daddy. Please vote for us. Go, Just go to podcastawards.com. You can follow the links. You have to put in an email address. It takes 30 seconds. All right. Uh, some news and notes. we got Saquon Barkley. Dave, what do you think? Uh, he's he's saying he might have to consider sitting out the season. He's cursing. He's dropping the F word. It's very inappropriate now. Uh, and he seems angry and are you going to drop him in your rankings, Dave Richard?
1: Not now. Uh, it's going to be hard to view him the same way if he misses all of training camp and shows up on the doorstep of the Giants just before the season starts. If he does that, then you've got to figure it's going to take him about a month to really get into game shape and to start putting up numbers that we'd want to see from him. But uh, okay. the Giants, their veterans aren't even there yet, so let's just see what happens before we sink him. Same thing with
2: Jacobs, um, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Dallas guard Zach Martin, one of the best in the business. He is threatening to uh, sit out the start of training camp. He wants a new contract. The Jets placed Brees Hall. Uh, their tight end, Dave. CJ. You And <laughs> Randall Cobb on the pup list. So, again, a lot of guys are going to go on the pup list. If they can go on the Pup List, come off any time. If they start the season on the Pup List, that's a different story. But um, right now, it's fine to be on the Pup List. You don't love it, but it's not a surprise for Brees Hall. Uh, the Jets also traded Denzel Mims and a 2025 7th round pick to the Lions for a conditional 2025 5th round pick. So Denzel Mims going to the Lions. Jamie, is there any sleeper wide receiver? I think you may have touched on it yesterday with Marvin Jones. So any sleeper wide receiver on the
0: Lions? I would still think Marvin Jones over Denzel Mims, but um, look, there's a there's a six game window where somebody can step up and help Amaro St. Brown. You know, I would love it to be Sam Laporta. You know, so we get another tight end that's in the mix. You know, just to stick with the theme of the show. But with Jameer Gibbs, you know, we saw last year uh, DeAndre Swift top ten in running back targets. So there's an opportunity for him to step up in the passing game. So we'll see. You know, I, I think you could see a situation where of those six games, if you were to say who's going to be the the second leading receiver, um, it could be Marvin Jones for probably four of those games, and then somebody else for two. Maybe it's Denzel Mims. So if you're in a deep dynasty league, you want to take a flyer on him. You have an open roster spot, can't hurt. Uh, but obviously, there's a reason he hasn't been able to produce for the Jets for the last couple of years. So um, not a bad move for Detroit just to kick tires on somebody that 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 should have a chance to be a playmaker for them.
2: I am on the Josh Reynolds train as a sleeper um, that you're probably never going to draft <laughs> unless you're in a super deep league.
1: But did you take him in the
2: fish? Box? I did. He was actually my last pick. And I think the second there to last go. pick in the draft, uh, Mar- uh Josh, Re- okay. Marvin Jones is 33. Josh Reynolds had five games last year with six or more targets. He scored 15 or more pa- uh, PPR fantasy points in four of those five games. Um, I am not uh, trying to be a strong advocate for Josh Reynolds, but if I had to guess who the second-best receiver on the team is, guys, I'm putting it out there. It's going to be
0: Josh Reynolds. I mean, there's a history between Jared Goff and Josh Reynolds. So, yeah. We'll see.
2: All right. uh, More news. The Patriots worked out Leonard Fournette and Daryl Henderson. Dave, does that give you the heebie-jeebies at all about uh, Ramondre Stevenson?
1: Not really. It gives me the heebie-jeebies about Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris and everybody else on the depth chart behind him, not name Ty Montgomery. I think we know what Ty Montgomery can do, which is basically play passing downs and then miss like six games and, and be a pain in the butt for fantasy. I think they're looking to just see what's out there as far as veteran running backs that could come in and, and help be a good backup, maybe play 15 snaps a game. Maybe get five, six touches a game. I wouldn't get too freaked out about it right now.
2: Okay, Dave sounds like he's somewhere from zero to two on the Hebe GBO meter. Um, yeah, I have a question here. I do need to clarify. I said Josh Reynolds would my pick to be second on the team among receivers, and James and Joel said not Jamison Williams. I don't know. It's pretty interesting if you gave Reynolds a six-game head start, but I guess I'd still give Jamison Williams the nod. I would expect him to be the second-best receiver.
1: But Reynolds was drafted in 15 of the Scott Fishbowl leagues.
2: Hey, that's me. How many were there?
1: In the Scott Fish Bowl, like How th- many? Scott 300 Fish Bowl? leagues? It, it feels like 5,000 leagues. It feels like everybody's drafting in the Fishbowl. So you and 14 people from Detroit. There we go. Oh, you'll see, everybody. Let's see. Did you get him later than anybody else? I think, he I like I said, did. I'm pretty sure he was the second to last pick in the draft. You, were, you took him with the 11th pick in round 22. Let's go. <laughs> uh, all
2: right. Uh, Jared Dubin, one of our writers on CBSSports.com, one of our NFL writers, he wrote an article, one breakout for each team. This is a great story. It's not a fantasy story. There are a lot of offensive players. or a lot of pass rushers on there. Um, but just some of the guys he mentioned. I'm just gonna give some guys and some stats from Jared Dubin's breakout article. Kadarius Tony. Uh, he says about Kadarius Tony over the past two seasons, 147 wide receivers have run, have run at least 250 routes. Among that group, only five players have been targeted more often on their routes than Tony, and those five players are Cup, Adams, Tyreek Hill, Drake London, and Chris Olave. So he's got the sixth best target per route run rate among all wide receivers in the past two seasons with 250 or more routes run. That's Kadarius Toney. For Kyle Pitts, Jared Dubin's argument was Pitts was targeted on 28% of his routes run. It's actually higher mm, than Kadarius yeah. Tony, 12th highest mark among 334 players who ran at least four routes per game. But Marcus Mariota had the second worst off-target rate in the NFL, according to True Media. So again, for it's a similar argument for Tony and Pitts, a lot of targets, a lot of routes run. Um actually I think I'm it's I, more than just I,
1: no, no, that. targets It's a lot out, of targets on targets the routes per route do.
2: run. Right. Targets right. per route run.
1: Yeah. That's a valuable stat.
2: Yeah. Both those guys being targeted over the last two years on almost twenty eight percent of their routes run, which is really good. Uh Jared mentions Rams rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua as a potential breakout. And that's just a name to know. You've heard it a lot. Jacob Gibbs has talked about it a lot. We've had some other guys come on in the advanced yep. stats world. The, the advanced stats guys like Puka Nakua. And then uh, Alexander Madison has a breakout. He says, Madison's been given only six opportunities to start in his career, but during those games, Madison has averaged 23.3 touches for 115.5 total yards per game and scored five touchdowns. That's the equivalent of nearly 2,000 total yards and 14 scores Across a full season, and there are definitely that is you know, technically true. Yeah, right. There's some caveats. Played some easy competition. They, yeah, I there's some, some that,
1: context but, needed to
2: support that. Yeah, um, but it's good stat and a good article. Give it a read. All right, we'll take a break. Dave's tight end tears will be unveiled after this. We're also going to try to read some emails today at fantasy at cbsi And tomorrow we have a live mock draft at nine thirty a.m. Eastern. With Twelve FFT listeners or
1: viewers. We'll be right back. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Well, Dave, I'm going to guess
2: tight end tier one. It's Travis
1: Kelsey. They get it? It's him and Cole Komet. Uh, <laughs> okay, I always just... forget Komet. No, nah, I'm just kidding. It's Kelsey. All Obviously... Right. An amazing fantasy player, somebody who you're expecting to be head and shoulders above everybody else at that position, somebody who should produce pretty darn close to the other non-quarterbacks that you take in the first round. He's got consistency on his side. He's in the right offense. You look at the changes that Kansas City made this offseason, you could argue that those changes help Kelsey moving into 2023. And the only argument that I can think of against Travis Kelsey is that he's got the same age concerns that anybody who's 30 or older has, who you take in round one, same age concern as Cooper cup, same age concern as, I mean, not really Derrick Henry, cause he's technically 29 and he's a running back and he's not necessarily going in the first round. Oh, it's McCaffrey Neckler. McCaffrey. Well, but those guys aren't 30 either. No, but they're age concerns,
2: right? Okay. Relative Fair. to their positions, they are age concerns.
1: But I think you look at what Eckler and McCaffrey have done over their careers, and you can say, "All right, if they're right, they're going to score more points per game than even Travis Kelsey." Yeah, they're just they're doing it a position that isn't as tough to find consistency with. It's tough, but not as tough as tight end can be. So I, I think he's absolutely worth a top ten overall pick, and I don't have a problem with anybody that takes him, you know, third, fourth in round one. You want to have that tight end advantage scored like more than five points per game than tight end two last year. I think there were only five games last year where he didn't score 15 PPR points. Yeah, amazing. Seems like a safe pick to me. So he gets his own tier at the top of the tight end tiers.
2: Do you you have an official I am taking Travis Travis Kelsey blank overall?
1: I've got him sixth. I'm ahead of Saquon. Jamie, how about you? Five for me. Okay. Okay, so let me give you my top five. Tell me you're taking Kelsey over. Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. This is full PPR. Jamar Chase, Bijan Robinson.
0: Uh, I believe I have him ahead of, I'm just going to pull it up, make sure I have it. I believe I have him ahead of uh, Bijan.
1: Okay. I get it. Rookie running back, never done it before. Should still be good, but they could both be running. Oh, no, I B- haven't met him. He's fourth for me. I oh, oh met you
0: haven't him ahead of, of. Eckler. Yeah, I only have one running back ahead of him.
2: And, and you guys have both right. have Kelsey ahead of Cup.
1: Yes, but it's it's super close.
2: Okay, because cup. I mean, as good as Kelsey is, cup has been four to seven points better than him per game. You know, well, actually, over the last two years, I mean, he was like, yeah, even even more than that. But let's say roughly five points better than him per game. So, all right. Well, we know the concerns with cup. Let's go to tier two. That include that does, two. include, that that does two. include
1: 2021 for Kelsey, which was a down year for him. Right, but like even, even his
2: best year was nowhere near what Cup has been the last two seasons.
1: Right. His best year was 2020. It was 20.3 PPR points per game. And if Cup is right, he's better than that. Much better. He's 25.
2: All right. Uh, tier 2 is interesting. I thought, I thought Tier 2 would be a one-man tier, Dave. It is a three-man tier. Who is Tier 2 at tight end?
1: Mark Andrews is at the top, and... I I think he's obviously going to go ahead of the other two tight ends after him. You could easily make him – you can give him his own tier. Uh, I think he's worth a round three pick. He's been a very good tight end for a long time. And, uh, yeah, every other year of his career besides 2021, he's been between 11.6 and 13.4 PPR points per game, so not quite 15. He was at 17.2 in that magical 2021 season when he did better without Lamar Jackson. Than with Lamar Jackson. Uh, just he's the he's the consolation prize for the fantasy manager who wants to draft Kelsey, but just can't. You know, because Kelsey gets taken in front of him. There's nothing you can do to get Kelsey. Well, who, else tier, Kelsey who else is in the tier? Who else is in the tier? Did you say who else was in the tier? I did not. It's Hawkinson and Pitts behind him. It wouldn't surprise me if they all wound up pretty close to each other in PPR points per game when the season's over. But Andrews has more upside and is probably a lot safer. Than the other two.
0: Jamie, do you think Mark Andrews should have his own tier? I do. I think, you know, again, not to, um, to go back to what we've talked about with running backs and receivers, you know, you kind of do this exercise a little bit different, you know, in terms of how many players you want to put in a tier. But I do think it, at this position, it's pretty clear. There's a one, there's a two, there's probably four guys you could say it could be the three, and then it's kind of everybody else. So I, I think, yes. Kelsey's in a tier by himself. Andrew's in a tier by himself. I don't disagree with Dave that they could be close by the end of the season, but they're not going to be drafted that way. And so I, I would I would approach it as if I'm looking at Kelsey round one, I'm looking at Andrews back into round two, or early round three, and then round five is where I start to look for everybody else.
2: Do you guys take Mark Andrews over, I think we talked about this group of wide receivers yesterday. It was Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, and Chris Olave. No.
0: Nope. No. Nope. No, but the next group, yes.
1: So I would take him over Olave, but that's it.
0: Well, Jamie, if you're saying you're considering
2: Mark Andrews in late round 2, you're probably not though. You're probably Oh, right. I'm I'm sorry.
0: I I misunderstood you. Yeah, I I would take those receivers ahead of him except for Olave as well.
2: Okay. Uh all right. So Olave Andrews
0: over Olave? I would take Andrews over Olave, yes.
2: Okay. Um. All right. So, so I think we should just group tiers two and three together here, uh, because Jamie would have Mark Andrews in his own tier. I, I'm curious, Dave, is how the way you went about separating uh tier three, tiers two and three, with Hawkinson and Pitts in a higher tier than Kittle, Goddard, and Waller. Uh, as really, I've spoken about tight ends so much, but not as much with you guys. I feel like it's been with Jacob or Chris or Dan or something like that. And I feel like we've sort of said, at least Chris and Dan, um, Hawkinson, Pitts, Kittle, Goddard, Waller could be in any order. No need to, why would you take the first one in this group? It felt like a huge tier to me. But you, Dave, have put Hawkinson and Pitts in a tier above Kittle, Goddard, and Waller. Talk about
1: that. I think Hawkinson and Pitts have upside to get around 12 to 13 PPR points per game. At least, well, I can't use the word reliable with Pitts. I can kind of use it with Hawkinson, but I can't use it with Pitts. I, I think that they're just – those are two tight ends that I would feel better about drafting than the other three. I'm not excited about Kittle, Goddard, or Waller. Um, and we can get into that. But I I just feel like Hawkinson's safer, especially in PPR, non-PPR. In non-PPR, I think I have Pitts ahead of Hawkinson just because I think that Pitts has that kind of upside. right? And because he's got that kind of upside – in non PPR, yes, he's got it in full PPR too. I, uh, I I'm okay with putting Pitts ahead of the the older slash, little bit more touchdown needy type of tight ends, which are Kittle, Goddard, Waller, not necessarily uh, painted with that brush, but someone that's got some serious downside based on health risk. When you're drafting
0: Pitts, you're just drafting for the chance of him to finally live up to his talent. You know, so that's the hope is that. He can overcome his quarterback. He can overcome his offense. He could finally live up to what the expectations are. And those are still some huge risks involved with that. But if he does hit, you know, I mean, we've seen what he can do from a yard standpoint as a rookie, which is, you know, somewhat unprecedented to go over a thousand yards in that season. And then who knows what would have happened last year if he stayed healthy. But obviously the quarterback scenario was not very good. Quarterback situation is still not very good. And now he's got to contend with. One of the best running backs that we've seen come into the NFL in the last ten years, on top of the fact of a coach that wants to run the ball. And it's just it's it's hard to say that there's there's a safety factor with him, but there's just the upside factor with him that correct, you know, supersedes most of the guys in this position, even Travis Kelsey, if Kyle Pitts were to probably play to his potential.
2: So Jamie, do you see a separation between at any point between those five tight ends, Hawkinson, Pitts, Waller? I don't know. No, No, you think they're in the same tier?
0: Yes, I I do. I think, you know, they're not going to be drafted the same way. But I think, for me, I have a hard time keeping Waller from being the third tight end just because I think if he does stay healthy, he's going to beat Hawkinson, Pitts, Kittle, and, and Goddard. I think there's just that opportunity is there for him. You know, you see what this receiving core looks like. I mean, Adam, you know, you were, you were trying to convince me about Paris Campbell being a, 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 a somewhat relevant player for the Giants, which <laughs> makes sense, you know, given the injuries. But again, that's part of it. You know, Wanda Robinson's hurt and Isaiah... Uh, and uh, Sterling Shepherd's hurt, you know, and so we know what the middle of the field has been to Daniel Jones. Um, <clears throat> Isaiah Hodgins, you know, had a great, you know, finish last year. Darius Slayton had some very positive moments last year that probably underrated, but you know, those guys are just, I think guys. And Darren Waller was their prize acquisition this off season. And again, when he's been healthy superstar. So if he stays healthy, probably going to have a monster season. It's just a matter of, can you buy into it after two years of him not being healthy? So, I love the setup for him. I think if he, if he hits, he's better than Hawkinson. He's better than Pitts. He's better than Kittle. He's better than Goddard.
2: Um, by the way, what I said to Jamie, I texted him and I said, Jamie, I have a sleeper for you. I can't say it on the show because it's so unlikely, but if it hits, you'll have to give me public credit for it. So that's always the best way to set it up, right? Because if it doesn't hit, no one's ever going to know. <laughs> right. And then I said it was Paris Campbell. So if Paris, now it's out there. Now it's out there. If Paris Campbell hits, I want the credit. If it doesn't hit, I never intended <laughs> for anyone to hear it. This is Jamie's fault. Um, all right, so Dave, try to explain a little bit more why you're not as high on that group of Kittle, Goddard, Waller, um, why you don't view them in the same tier. I know you touched on it. I think you kind of talked about it more from the two who were in the the – better tier, Pitts and Hockenson, sure. but let's maybe more focus now on Kittle, Goddard, and Waller.
1: It's it's all about upside and which ones have it and which ones don't, and you can make the case that Kittle, Goddard, and Waller all do have upside. I'll start with Goddard. I think he's the safest of the three. We've seen him play the majority of, of games of those three. Yeah, he got hurt last year. It, it's going to happen. Uh, to all players where injuries come and go. But you know he's not the number one target in the Philadelphia offense. You know the Philadelphia offense isn't one that's going to pass like crazy. And yet, still, he averaged 11.8 PPR points per game last year. Year before that, when the offense wasn't even as good as it was, and they didn't have A.J. Brown, he had fewer PPR points per game. So Goddard does have appeal as like a safe tight end, not necessarily one that can get you 13 or 14 PPR points per game. He's a settle for tight end. Kittle, in his last eight overall with Brock Purdy, including the playoffs, pretty awesome. Seven touchdowns on seven red zone targets, 12-plus PPR in five of eight games. But we've talked about what he looks like when everybody else is healthy in San Francisco. And it's ugly. With Purdy, with Debo, with Ayuk, with McCaffrey, five games. This includes the playoffs, but not the playoff game that Purdy got hurt in against Goddard's Eagles. It was 10 PPR points per game, two touchdowns, 12-plus PPR in just two of five games. Both the touchdowns came against Arizona. I am nervous that George Kittle won't be anywhere near 11 PPR points per game or 12 PPR points per game if Ayuk takes that next step, if Debo Samuel stays healthy, if Christian McCaffrey is even more involved in this offense uh, after his first full offseason of being entrenched there. So he makes me nervous. Waller makes me the most nervous because he's missed at least six games each of the past two seasons. His pace last year in Las Vegas – was 53 catches, 733 yards, and six touchdowns. That's not even 10 PPR points per game. Uh, I watched his last final four games of the regular season when he was healthy. He struggled to separate from press coverage or physical coverage. Knew how to get open versus zone. Still moved pretty well for a tight end. Still could leap. But this is a Giants team. They were 52% pass last year, including 39% pass in the red zone. And they really liked spreading the ball around. There wasn't one guy... That got a ton of targets, well, head and shoulders above the rest. But
2: there wouldn't be. I mean, that's why they brought in
1: Waller, right? Yep. I'm Maybe. Sure. It's part of it. Listen, and I, I like that he's a differentiator. I like that he's a differentiator in his size. because be, Besides Isaiah Hodgins, they don't have anybody that's got size to him. But I, I still don't think he's going to dominate targets week in and week out in that offense. I do. For whatever games that he's there for. I think they're going to spread it around. I will allow myself to change my opinion if there is no Saquon Barkley because then I think they will throw a heck of a lot more than they did last year with Barkley. So we'll see what that happens. And it's a tough schedule as well. They play a lot of really tough defenses. So I, I think the downside for Waller is greater than Goddard and is greater than Kittle. And that's why he's last for me among these five.
2: It's so interesting. Hawkinson is the one that's drafted third among those five after Kelsey and Andrews. Um, would it be fair to say that Hawkinson has the fewest question marks of that group of five?
0: Yes. Depends on how much you buy into Jordan Addison. Because if you buy into Jordan Addison being that much better than Adam Thielen and commanding more than 100-plus targets, then it's going to be a problem for TJ Hawkinson. Because, again, you know, this is a guy that had some big spike games last year, even in Minnesota. But they are going to throw the ball probably more than any of these other teams. Yeah. So that's where he sort of benefits. Right. So if you think there's going to be a target crunch because of whatever – Addison does on top of, you know, the the numbers that went to um, Thielen and then still K.J. Osborne being somewhat of a factor and then whatever they, you know, decide to do with their running backs, then Hawkinson's going to suffer a little bit. But I think he's fine. You know, I think he's 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 shown you enough that when he has, you know, I think capable quarterback play, offense is going to trust him. And the fact that, you know, Minnesota went out to go get him last year, uh, they, they believe in what he can do. And, and I think fantasy managers should as well.
2: Okay. And, uh, it, you know, the stat I keep giving about the being top two in targets being so important, it's pretty hard, I think, to envision that for Goddard. You know, we sit here with everyone healthy. He should be third on targets. And Kittle be third. Yeah. Yeah. And Kittle and Kittle probably would be too. Um does that matter to you? Because like I said, there were two you know, that whole trend was pretty much broken last year with two of the top five being third on their team in targets, Kittle and Ingram. Uh, but how much, David, how much does that matter to you? This something we look for kind of hard to see it with Goddard and a little bit easier, but not that easy with Kittle
1: with Goddard. He had 69 targets in 12 games and only three touchdowns. And he still averaged 11 PPR points per game. So I am hoping that he can be at least on that same target pace, maybe a tick higher, maybe Philadelphia throws it a little bit more and, and Goddard can stay as, as a pretty consistent fantasy tight end. Kittle worries me just because of everybody else who's there. I, I feel like he needs an injury. to He needs one of those other guys to miss time in order just to reemerge as the go-to touchdown target for Purdy in that offense. And, and maybe inside the 10, he still is when everybody's healthy. But I, I, I have a hard time believing that the targets will still be strong for him when everybody else is there
2: i give you guys just some numbers here because Dallas Goddard, before the injury, he was the number three tight end per game. He was on pace for 100 targets. And Devontae Smith was the number 35 wide receiver per game. And he was on pace for 115 targets. He just wasn't really that good with it. And then Goddard gets hurt, and they play five games without Goddard. Goddard comes back, last three games of the season. Smith and Brown are great. Goddard stinks. He gets... Five targets per game. Um, didn't score a touchdown. It wasn't that bad. I mean, he was no. on pace for eight. He averaged yeah. nine
0: point three. That was also with what, one game with Minchu or both? Two games,
2: games two games with Minshew and one with Hurts. Including weekend and then it yeah. injured Jalen Hurts. And they and they threw a lot. They, they threw thirty-five point six pass attempts per game, which was more than you usually see. Uh then in the postseason, Goddard had eighteen targets in three games. So that's a pace of hundred and two targets. So I guess before his injury, on pace for 100 targets, it really didn't change that much. Uh, He just, I think he just didn't score as many touchdowns, and Devontae Smith got so much better throughout the season. So Goddard wasn't really a standout like he was before his injury when Smith wasn't really doing much. Um, But can he be great with 100 targets? Maybe he can. Can he get 100 targets? I don't know. 100 targets for Goddard? Yay or nay? I'll say yay. Yeah. All right. Um... And then let's wrap this up here. We'll take a break and talk about the other guys because, remember, 48% of the top five tight ends in the last, I think I said, five seasons, five seasons, have been drafted around 10 or later. So there are a lot of relevant players we're still going to talk about. Uh, You know, Jamie, if you don't get Kelsey or Andrews, you're content waiting for whoever's close to last in this group, right? 100%. And Dave, you're going to be a little more aggressive? Or are you going to get into the Hawkinson pits? Or are you
1: okay? Yeah, that's why there's that tier split for me because I'm okay, assuming that I can get them in that basically round five range, which will be harder to do with Hawkinson and full PPR. But if I'm getting a little bit of value on Hawkinson or pits, I'm taking them.
2: Okay, let's take a break here and we will get to tier four after this. Tier four has a guy who was... The fifth best tight end in fantasy last year, overall points. That was Evan Ingram. Um, Dalton Schultz. Oh, Dave, I think I forgot to update this. So Njoku's in here, right? Nope. Oh, and he's not, but Okonkwo is out. Okonkwo is out. All right, so it's Ingram, Schultz, Friarmuth and Dulcich. Ingram, Schultz, Friarmuth and Dulcich. And how do you feel in general about this tier?
1: These are the tight ends that I'm hoping can get me an average of 10 PPR points per game. So guys that might get five targets per game, catch four of them for anywhere from 50 to 60 yards, score the occasional touchdown. Not necessarily guys that can be the top target getter on their team or the second top target getter on their team, but players who are going to be involved in their offenses to some degree and uh, at a nice discount. So, lower expectations, obviously lower draft value, which I kind of like because some of these guys do have upside to get you north of 10 PPR points and maybe finish with 11 or 12.
2: We got to start looking right. We got to look now who could actually be the league winner or the top five tight end anyway. the big breakout here. Um, Jamie, in, in terms of Ingram, Schultz, Farm Youth, and Dulcich, Do you think this is a good tier? Do you think these guys belong in the same tier? And do you see a potential star in here?
0: Um, I would probably, if I'm going to put Dolgers in this tier, I would put Njoku in this tier because I think they're similar, you know, in terms of crowded target share and still plenty of upside. Um, For me, it's Fryermuth. And if Kenny Pickett, you know, it's almost like Fryermuth's is like a poor man's Kenny Pickett. He's like a four man, poor man's pits, uh, mm-hmm. just because I think if, if Kenny Pickett can improve, just like Desmond Ritter can improve, then I think you'll see Fryerman's numbers pop. Um, the thing that I like about him a lot, and we'll see how they sort of use their receiving core, but you're hearing a lot of reports that they're going to use him sort of like a big slot receiver. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the drafting of Darnell Washington sort of speaks to that, that they have more of a blocking tight end on the field. Um, he, was, he averaged 2.28 yards per route run when lined up in the slot, which is second only to Travis Kelsey. And he was sixth among tight ends and targets per game at 6.1. So if he does see a boost in opportunities and they allow Kenny Pickett to throw more, and then clearly if he gets more touchdowns, you see two only, last season scored seven as a rookie uh, the previous year, then he could be good. So I think it's going to be from a, a target standpoint. I think Deontay Johnson's one. I think Fryermuth is two. And then Deontay Johnson and Allen Robinson sort of fight for three with hopefully Pickett's being that guy. But um I think Frymuth has the the best chance to have that breakout campaign, so he's my my favorite of this group.
2: Frymuth had the most green zone targets on the Steelers, although that was only six. He had the most games with seventy five or more yards. He had five games at seventy five or more yards. That's more than Deontay Johnson, more than George Pickens. Uh, so there's uh, there's good stuff there. His snap count wasn't as high late in the year after he got he had an injury at some point in the year. His snap count didn't quite fully recover to what it was early in the year, so maybe he's able to play more this season. And the Steelers threw 12 touchdowns last year, and one of them was thrown by Chase Claypool. So they will throw more (laughs) touchdowns this year for sure. Um, Dulcich is interesting to put him in here because, you know, Dave, he's a year two tight end, and year two tight ends, a lot of times you can't even see it coming because they had such a, a nothing year one. But your two tight ends are a good type of player to target. There's a lot of uh, surprising breakouts there. Um, so and and Jamie said he would put Njoku in this tier because Dulcich is in there and they're in similar situations. But I guess you do have a you do draw a line between Dulcich and Njoku.
1: I like Dulcich's new coaching staff in Denver. Sean Payton does have a nice track record utilizing his tight ends. Uh, they're already talking about Dulcich playing sort of a joker role on offense averaged 8.6 PPR points per game last year. I think he can build off that. And I think he's a dark horse candidate to finish second on the team in targets. It, it, it's, it's really that simple. Young, athletic, more of a receiving tight end than a blocking tight end who can who can take a jump in year two. That's the bet with Dulcich.
2: All right, if you take this this tier four is Ingram, Schultz, Fryermuth, and Dulcich, Dave wants to get these guys in round nine or later. If you take one of them as your starting tight end, do you feel like you should take another?
1: Only if you get a good value on another tight end later. I don't think it's, it's absolutely necessary. Okay. So, no.
2: All right. Next group is the streamers and sleepers, and this is David Njoku. Uh, I think Heath has Njoku as, like, tight end six or something, so we're going to have to ask Dave why he's a little lower. Uh, Chigo Conquo, who was in a different tier before the Hopkins News. Dalton Kincaid and Juwan Johnson. Najoku, Okonkwo, Kincaid, and Johnson. And how do you view this tier, Dave?
1: I think these are guys that you draft late. You'll use them as your tight end to begin the season. If they take off, you'll be loving life. If they don't take off, you'll say, no big deal. I took them with a the late-round pick. I'll go pick up another tight end off the waiver wire. You'll cast your rod into the tight end stream, and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll go that route with, your, with the tight end position.
2: How about you, Jamie? How do you feel about this group of Njoku, Okonkwo, Dalton Kincaid, and Juwan Johnson?
0: Yeah, again, I don't think Njoku belongs in this group. Um, with the other guys, I would probably add a few more into this group, uh, specifically Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett. I think they're in similar situations in terms of Higbee getting a chance to be the second player in terms of targets on the Rams, and we've seen him have some you know, quality, productive years in this system with Sean McVay. And and again, even last year, you know, what his, his chances were. And then Everett, the hope would be very crowded receiving core. there, clearly with the, with the chargers, but Kellen Moore's offenses have really leaned on their tight ends. And I think Gerald Everett, you know, had some splash plays last year, had a chance, you know, to uh, hopefully get a better system and a better year from Justin Herbert. So we'll be inconsistent, but I think that's kind of what this group is. So I would put Gerald Everett in this group as well.
2: So, um, Njoku. OK, well, actually, Dave, yeah. let's talk about Njoku because he is sixth in the rankings for Heath. He's 12th for you. He's ninth for Jamie. So you're just not really feeling it.
1: Not feeling it. I think part of the reason why he had such a successful 2022 is because Jacoby Brissett was his quarterback for the first however many games of the year it was. Uh, let's call it nine. Looks like Njoku played 11, nine games. with him. Oh, oh, not yeah. It was eleven for him, but nine for Njoku. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now look, uh, let's be fair. There were five games that Njoku and Watson five or six. I, I I see a zero for Njoku in one of the weeks. So I'm not sure if he played in Deshaun Watson's first game back. But he had two huge he did not, games. He was an actor. No, he All right, so five good. games with him, two huge games with with Watson. 14.2 PPR points, 18.7 PPR points. The other three games, 5.8 PPR points or less. I don't think Watson necessarily leans on tight ends. I think he likes downfield throws. I think the Browns moves this offseason suggest that they're trying to help Watson there by adding Elijah Moore, by drafting Cedric Tillman. And all this talk about Nick Chubb getting more involved in, in the passing game, those are targets that'll come away from the tight ends. And so I'm just, I'm a little bit nervous that Njoku won't be as good as he was last year, particularly since last year was the first year in his career he was ever particularly good for fantasy.
2: He was eighth per game. And yeah, he wasn't even that
1: good. You know, 628 yards. He was 10 PPR points per game. It's hard to call a tight end bad when they're
2: doing No, I didn't that. say he was bad. I just say he wasn't really that good, but he was on fire. Before he suffered a mid-season injury, Um, he was, gosh, he had like a five-week stretch where he was on pace for nearly 1,300 yards, weeks three through eight. He was on pace for 102 catches, 1,289 yards, and three touchdowns on 122 targets, and then he missed two games, and then he really wasn't the same after that. Um, So, yeah, Najoku, we talked in depth about him not long ago, but... You know, like I said, he did have a year. I said this uh, on a previous show. He did have a year where he was on a decent Cleveland passing offense and he was second on the team in targets. His rookie season, I believe it was. Second season in the league. And he was not very good. He had like 640 yards and, you know, on 88 targets. what Just wasn't very good. So hopefully he has to have a better year. He has to be a better player than he was back then, which is possible. He came into the league very raw. Um, Okay, if you have this group, Njoku, Okonkwo, Kincaid, Juwan Johnson, for Jamie would be a little bit different. There'd be no Njoku. There'd be Everett and Higby in there. Just ride it out with one guy, or should you draft two tight ends? And considering the fact that every year we get some surprising top five tight end who was either undrafted or drafted really late— should we maybe think more about drafting two tight ends if we're gonna go the late round strategy, like rounds ten and thirteen in your with league? With these
0: guys, great. yeah, absolutely you have to. You know, I, I think it, it lends itself to take two swings, you know, because you're obviously waiting for a late type of player. It's not a bad idea to take two of these guys, you know, and, and see what happens. And so, yeah, why would you not, you know, just just see if you can hit with the idea of okay, at this point you probably have your your running back core and your wide right receiver core pretty well set. So You waited long enough, see if you can take two and see what happens. Or just, you know, depending on what point of the draft you are in, if you know there's going to be one of these two guys, one guy or two guys on the waiver wire that you like, you just kind of wait and see what
1: happens early in the year. What's the argument against taking two tight ends no matter who you take first? Like, let's say you're Keith and you love David Njoku and you you think that he's going to have an even better year with Deshaun Watson than what he had last year. And you can get him for a song in round 10. I, even if you take Travis Kelsey in round one, it don't think of it as taking. Well, I'm only starting one tight end. Think of it more as I'm going to try and get a, a sleeper or a breakout, especially at a tight at a position in tight end that's hard to fill. Yeah, yeah, you better nail that pick. I'm go and spend spend that cheap capital and try and turn it into a player that was taken in round seven or round eight, three weeks into the season.
2: Okay, all right, so. Let's talk about some other guys real quick. Just some some potential late-round picks or sleepers or free agent additions. Uh, we already talked about Dulcich. How about Trey McBride and Kate Otten? They've got opportunities here.
1: Mm-hmm. McBride more so than Otten. I love the profile for McBride. I love the opportunity for him to potentially finish second in the Cardinals and targets. Different offense this year than what we saw last year. It's going to be much more of a West Coast system. That's typically been good for tight ends. It's just a matter of, I think he'll play a lot. It's a matter of how many targets he'll get from week to week. Will they Will they try and carve out plays specifically for him? Um, and how good will the targets be from anybody not named Kyler Murray? Yeah.
0: But that's... this
1: is an offense. We've talked about Marquise Braun and why we love him. Rondell Moore, why we love him. We figure they're going to be playing from behind and throwing a lot late. This is somebody who is a very good pass catcher with rare size on top of it. Don't mind one. bit. I took him in the fishbowl. Absolutely love the idea of him potentially getting as many as 50 catches this year. Same. The only concern would be is if
0: Zach Ertz plays at some point. you know. And if, if he's there, who knows what that does in terms of playing
1: time and opportunity. Now he's coming off of a torn ACL, right? Yeah. He's going off a major knee injury, yeah. Yeah. So who knows if he plays. He's got a heavy contract number, too. Not that they can do anything with him while he's hurt. But I, I wonder if he's played his last snap for Arizona. Maybe so. I thought he would have been done.
2: So McBride uh, is a second-round pick who had over 1,100 yards as a senior from Colorado State, and in his last four games, he scored 9.5, 4.7, 20.8, and 7.1 fantasy points, which really
0: isn't bad when you're talking about the guys. Who- Adam, we're losing you. I don't know. I don't know what uh, again. What's happening with the internet there? Maybe you want to restart.
1: Go ahead. You could finish up. Hello, Adam. How is life on Saturn? <laughs> All right. So where are we? We're are, at. Are we? we we're at the can last, they hear us maybe, or them?
0: We'll just talk. Um, <laughs> so, are you going into his notes? Yes. You have McBride and Higby. Yeah. Is that you? It? I think you really love Higby. I don't love Higby. I just like the situation for Higby. Again, you know, we're, we're talking about Puka and Tutu Atwell and uh, Van Puka, Jefferson. Tuta. And you know, uh, Skaronic. You know, it's it's a very uninspiring group there. Yeah. You know, with not
1: that Higby's inspiring.
0: No, but there's there's target potential. And you know, again, when we're looking at this, you know, sometimes you just have to look past talent. You got to look at opportunity and volume. And there's going to be a lot of volume for Higby. And this is the type of of player who, you know, can he get to the twelve point threshold? Probably not. Can he get you eight to ten? I think so. You know, and he's done that for a stretch at times where he looked, did look elite. So. Um, that one end of the year yeah, stretch that he had three years ago. I thought that was, it. Um, yeah, it, um, it just, again, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're looking at players, this position and what they can get, hopefully the, the, the targets lead to some, some quality production, but a lot of it is depending on obviously, you know, Matthew Stafford being healthy
1: as well. Yeah. And then I almost feel like Dalton Kincaid and Jawan Johnson can be discussed similarly. Um, both young ish Kincaid, very young because he's a rookie older rookie. Uh, Juwan Johnson's been in the league for a few years, but they're both move tight ends. I think Johnson's going to hmm? do that a little bit more with Johnson this year. I think he's going to be kind of used like we, what you talked about with Firemuth, that he can be a big slot receiver mm. for, for New Orleans, which could be really interesting for them because they've got Thomas, they've got Olave. This is going to be the guy that they use in short and intermediate throws. Once upon a time, we saw Derek Carr connect with his move tight end in Waller, quite a bit, and so I, I I don't think it's the same situation because Waller was really on an island there uh, in Oakland when when he broke out, but I think that Juwan Johnson could kind of be in that same realm. I don't mind taking a stab with him as a late round pick. Maybe yep. he develops into somebody that's a little bit more than you know three catches and forty yards a week. Maybe he can get a little bit better than that on a week-to-week basis well, it was very touchdown dependent last year so. right so he's got to break away from that and get a little bit more target share and if he's the big slot i think he can do it
0: what about the other rookies uh besides kincaid because you have laporta in detroit uh-huh you have mayor in, in las vegas, las vegas. a and, good overall prospect and uh and musgrave in Green Bay.
1: worried about musgrave because I, I, I honestly i'm worried about all the rookies less so than kincaid just because of where he is what he does and who his quarterback is but the other tight ends I'm not really drafting, including Laporta. I know that there's excitement about him getting the Hawkinson role. That Hawkinson role didn't have a lot of targets from week to week. But it's different now. The because there's no Jameson for six weeks. For first six we'll see. It, I, I, I don't want to bet on him. It's hard to go against him with a late pick. Round 13, I want to take Laporta. Sure. sure. I, I can't say that that's a bad thing. But if I'm drafting him with the idea that he's going to finish as a top 10 fantasy tight end, I don't see it in well, that offense. Well, I mean, look,
0: it's difficult for rookies. You know I mean? Kyle Pitts had a, you know, great year from a yardage standpoint, but he scored one touchdown, yeah. you know, so. Which is crazy. It's it's still crazy. Last year was crazy for him. Too. It's very, it's very challenging. But Okay, I mean, so do, then. But the, the thing, though, about the, you said Hawkins didn't have good years in Detroit early?
1: No, he overall. did early, but, like, last year before he got traded, I think it's hard. I can look yeah, it up yeah, for yeah, you if had you want. he had the one big, huge game against yeah. Right, right, right. I, but I, other
0: than that, he wasn't I, nearly. I think, again, you know, this is, you're buying into Ben Johnson and the hope that, you know, no Jamison, again, no DJ Chark. Is it really going to be a lot of Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones, or do they, you know, use a guy that has maybe some more upside? Musgraves in an interesting spot because, obviously, there's a lot of targets available in this Green Bay offense. Uh, No more Robert Tunyon, for what that's worth. And then Mayer, obviously, in the same situation, but you have the quarterback concerns. We've talked about this a lot with the Raiders, that, you know, can you trust an injured Jimmy Garoppolo to support all of these guys, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and Mayer? But there is some some target opportunities there.
1: I did get my numbers wrong on Hawkinson. He averaged 3.7 catches per game in Detroit last year. So, well, it was seven games in Detroit. That Those were his catches. If Laporta gets 3.7 catches per game, then he could be a touchdown or bust type of tight end. So I give him that. But I like Kincaid better. We didn't really talk so much about Kincaid. Yes. But another big slot type of receiver could be the number two target getter in Buffalo as soon as this year. That'd be interesting. It would probably be a bad
0: year for Gabe Davis, if that's mm-hmm. the case. But, yeah, uh, obviously we've seen some some flaws there. Um, a couple of other veteran guys that have some people excited. Um, Mike Geseki going to New England. I kind of wanted to get him in the fishbowl. Irv Smith going to Cincinnati. You know, and I guess we should talk about Kolka as well. But you know, in yeah. terms of the two new guys going to different teams, I mean, look, you know, the the Patriots were rumored to be in the DeAndre Hopkins mix, and and that didn't work out for them. This is one of their big acquisitions along with Juju Smith Schuster. And they're talking about running a lot more twelve personnel. We're gonna get both tight ends on the field with Hunter Henry. So you buy Tigaseki, who two years ago, three yes. years ago, whatever it was, was, you know, a, a decent fantasy option, yeah. you know, as, as a late round guy for, for Miami and now being reunited with Bill O'Brien to whatever that means?
1: I, I'm interested, but it's got to be in a tight end premium league. It's got to be in like a really deep league. So I'm going like 17-plus rounds, something like that, and I'm just fishing for a dart throw at the end of the draft. I'm not holding last year against Kosicki here. Yeah. Okay. I just think he, he wasn't a good fit for what Mike McDaniel wanted to do. And so now he's he's in New England. I think he does fit into what the Patriots can do. But it could be a week to week thing. It could be, he could be just matchup dependent type of guy. I uh, don't think he can necessarily command consistent targets from a game to game. Can you guys basis. hear me? I hey, got you. You're got, back.
2: So we need to stop talking about Mike Kosicki. Like, Mike Kosicki's not going to win anybody a fantasy league. Come on now. Come on. He's had enough chances and he's on New England. There's another tight end there. Come on. I want to yeah, hear. New
0: England's never had good tight end play.
2: I mean, they, did he Okay, Mike, I'm sorry. Gesicki <laughs> does sound a little bit like Gronkowski. There are G's True. and I's bookending the name. Um, uh, Cole Komet, talk to me. Let's finish on Cole Komet here.
1: Sure. Uh, he He did look good in minicamp, catching a lot of deep corner routes from Justin Fields. A lot of them were accurate. I don't know if that's going to be the case when everybody's healthy in Chicago, that he'll see a volume of six targets per game. Because when you're watching him in minicamp, there's no Mooney on the field. There's no Chase Claypool. Mooney's certainly a better downfield threat than Cole Komet. And Claypool could be a better short area target than Cole Komet. They're kind of both, you know, big-bodied dudes. I'm nervous about Cole Komet uh, transforming into a weekly starter in fantasy. He's not on my list of guys to go after with a late round pick. He's kind of, he's in that same boat as Kasicki. Maybe in PPR, I'll take Komet. Non PPR, I'll take Kasicki, but not somebody that I'm like super hyped up about.
0: If, if you're buying into Justin Fields being a better passer, which I, I think he will be, uh, this should be the second best pass catcher on the team, especially if Mooney's hurt.
2: All uh, right. Final question here. If you had to pick a rookie or year two tight end to have a huge year, who would it be?
1: Uh, Dolchins. I, it's probably my answer too. Okay. I figure most people are either going to say, I think him or- he's my highest ranked year two yeah. tight end.
2: Right. But him or Kincaid, I feel like people are, would debate.
0: Um, I would lean toward Dolchitz personally, but they're back to back for me. So I, I wouldn't necessarily fight anybody that's going to say, you know, take Dalton Kincaid first. But I mean, look, there's, um, th- there's a big opportunity for both, you know, uh again i, I think they the the denver offense will be better and buffalo is going to use Kincaid. you know the fact that they traded up in the first round to go get him mm. you know sort of speaks volumes to i think how they're going to use him i would have said okonko before this i don't think we really touched him mm. that one. yeah um how far did you move him down uh outside top 15. you know he's not somebody I, I'm, I'm probably going to draft unless i'm taking a chance on a second tight end but it's just there's there, unless, yeah, unless Tim Kelly's offense is just dramatically different than what we've seen in Tennessee, it's so hard to expect three guys to be relevant. And I would say, based on the target share, Hopkins is going to be one, Burks is going to be two, and then O'Conko and Kyle Phillips are going to fight for three. All right.
2: Great stuff. Great to have Dave back. Tomorrow, live mock draft. 12 listeners duking it out in a I think it's a half PPR mock draft so we're going to do these occasionally here and we will talk to you then have a great night everybody and if there's still time tinyurl.com slash FFT donate get in the podcast see you later